Blog Talk Radio. episode 25 of the Loaded Gloves Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Scott Jarvis, and with me, as always, uh, is Michael Shepard. Uh, Victor Atkinson is actually not with us this week because he's uh, extremely under the weather, uh, so uh, we hope he gets better soon and uh, jumps back on the air with us next week. Uh, but how are you doing today, Michael? I'm good. Glad to be back after missing last week due to technical difficulties, shall we say? Yeah, to put it lightly, <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a good I I had a good talk with the with the folks at Blog Talk, and I don't think we're gonna have that problem again. But uh, yeah, be that as it may or was, uh, there was some uh, some big action last night. We'll just jump right in. Um, actually, before we do that, uh, let me state this is probably going to be uh, somewhat of an abbreviated show. Um, I know that uh, speaking with you, Michael, off the air, you said uh, you'd had a couple of uh, long nights and, you know, quite a workload. So uh, you're pretty tired. I know I am, too. And there isn't a lot happening next week or for the next several weeks in the sport that's really kind of worth the hours of prep that it takes <laughs> takes me to, to get this show ready to, to be aired. So um, we'll probably cut this show short by about an hour or so. Um, so if you want to call in, we normally don't take calls until the second hour, but you can do so anytime this week. Uh, or yeah, uh, that number is six, five, seven, three, eight, three, zero, three, nine, one. All right. With that said, Michael, let's jump right into the fight review. Uh, the big fight last night, the one we were all kind of looking forward to, uh, was the IBF welterweight champion, Errol Spence Jr. taking on Carlos Ocampo. Uh, in a 12-rounder for his title. Um, now, in that fight, uh, Errol Spence did exactly, excuse me, as he was expected to do, uh, and dispatched an overmatched and unqualified mandato- mandatory challenger in Carlos and, uh, Ocampo. Um, now, with his victory, um, Spence not only defends his IBF portion of the welterweight crown, uh, but he also sets up a potential fight with the winner of the Danny, uh, Danny Garcia and Sean Porter fight that's happening later this September, Michael. Um, what, if anything, Michael, can did you take away from Errol Spence's performance last night? Couldn't really take a lot with it being such a short and sweet performance. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, he did what he was supposed to do. He came in, um, dispatched the guy in the first round, but you can't really tell too much after I've only seen him for three minutes. Um, <laughs> I can imagine he wanted to send a... I can imagine he wanted to send a message to the rest of the people of the, of the 147 division, but Kind of short, short and sweet. Um, nice body shot that he finished him with. Yes. Um, but Ocampo was just kind of overmatched and yeah. came out. I think he, he actually came out swinging. I'll give him that. Ocampo did actually try and put a little bit of pressure on, but to, <laughs> to, his, own, to his own downfall, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I, a lot of people were working, were picking Spence to win, obviously. and uh, But I, I know a lot of people personally who thought that it was going to go deep, uh, that for some reason, Ocampo was going to take Spence into deep waters. Uh, I didn't understand anybody making that pick at all. 
I got to be honest with with everybody. Um, I said I I thought that it would end early, and it, I didn't expect a first round knockout, Michael. But you know that that one shot from Spence to the liver was just you know those are always killer shots, no matter who who lands them on who, and, and you know they they take their toll rather quickly. Um, now uh, with like I said just a few moments ago, Michael, uh, with this win, he sets up basically a fight for or with the uh, winner of the Garcia Porter fight happening uh, down the line in a couple of months from now. Um, do you think that that fight actually happens uh, at the beginning of 2019? Or do you think uh, that everybody kind of takes a stay busy fight and maybe they fight in the summer or even the fall of 2019? Uh, I think maybe, maybe the summer because he seems to want to go back to Texas. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking with the football season still being on, I think they may do it. May do it in the summer. The winner will get the winner of Garcia and uh, Porter will get maybe one fight, and then they'll meet in the summer. Right. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I was a little disheartened last night uh, in the post-fight when uh, Jim Gray asked Spence what was next, and uh, you know, and asked him when he might fight the the, the Garcia Porter winner, um, and he said probably not this year. Um, but with the way the sport works in the modern era, you know, these guys aren't. These guys aren't active, let alone hyperactive. So, um, you know, it wasn't a big surprise, but it was a little bit of a letdown. Um, now, my next question for you, Michael, and even for for anybody listening, would be wh- what does Errol Spence do in the interim uh, while he waits for, you know, the winner of that fight sometime next year? Um, because, and I ask this because uh, going through the welterweight rankings on several different websites, uh, I see the name, you know, Pacquiao, Brooke, uh, Peterson, uh, and even Thurman, but those guys are either injured, they're on retirement tours, or he's already beaten them. So um, what do you think realistically, Michael, Spence does does in the interim? And who would you like to see him step in there with next? It's kind of hard hard to see. Like you said, a lot of people he's already fought or people are kind of already tied up. The only one sure. I can kind of think of looking at the rankings would maybe like Omar Figueroa. Wouldn't be a great okay. fight, the boat, but the boat's from Texas. Uh, so it'd be kind of an easy, easy one. The both PBC, I think, are they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I think you're right. That would that would be fairly yeah, easy to make it. Uh huh. Well, I was just just going to say what you just wanted to say. Uh, it should be an easy fight to make, um, if that's possible in boxing. You know, it never seems to be that easy. <laughs> well, yeah, when they say easy to make, that doesn't mean that they just they call each other on the phone and, and agree to it and <laughs> it's done. It's there's a lot of negotiating and a lot of things that go on, you know, in back rooms and and over phone calls and emails and, and meetings. So, but yeah, being both with, with you know Heyman or and most promoters, I'm not going to pick on Heyman or the PBC, uh, at least not this week. You know, with any promoter, you know, even in-house fights can be difficult to make. Uh, um, like you said, I I don't think that's a bad fight against Figueroa. Um, considering all of the other options and and obstacles that are in Spence's you know way in route to the to the Garcia Porter fight, you know down the line next year, um, but you know sometimes one side doesn't want that fight or you know another side is holding out for a better better deal with someone else or somewhere else. So um, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, now in the post fight, uh, Michael uh, Jim Gray did actually bring up Bud Crawford's name. I was a bit surprised by that. Um, I t- and I tweeted out. I think it was uh, last week or the week before, where I said, you know, once once this fight's over, we can all start. Or once the the Crawford fight was over, uh, we, we we you know we all started fantasizing about a, a Crawford Spence fight. 
Um, but I got to be honest with you and everyone else that, that listens to this show. Um, I don't think that's, that fight is, is anything but pure fantasy, at least for two to three years. Um, you know, I just, given, given the nature of how the sport works or how slowly it, it tends to work and build towards fights of that magnitude. And, and given the, you know, the, the, the politics that are going to be involved in making that fight, uh, for me, it's just not something that, that I really want to spend too much time talking or even thinking about. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, do you think that it happens in a few years? Do you think it never happens at all? Or wh- where do you stand with all of that? Uh, the same as you. Uh, I think they'll drag it out over time. And then, you know, money will mm-hmm. t- money talks. Like, obviously, it's a big fight I want to see. I'm sure you want to see it. So, Eventually, sure. somewhere down the line, I think all roads will lead to that fight, and it'll just be a big, big payday as long as nothing untoward happens in between, and one of them slips up against a, a low-level opponent. Right. Well, there's always that risk. That does happen from time to time. So, I'm, um, I'm also wondering too how long Spence stays at 147 because, uh, he, you know, he's a pretty big dude, and and, uh, you know, I think I think Crawford is maxed out at 147. I don't think he'll ever go to junior middleweight. Um, but I think that's another odd, a potential obstacle in, you know, in the way of making this fight happen, especially in a timely fashion. Um, now I'm, I'm not, I'm somebody, I'm usually somebody that, that doesn't like to hear the word marinate or, you know, let's wait, let's let it build. But I think in the case of, of, uh, Spence and Crawford, um, I, I don't think two or three, even I mean, three years might be a little long, but one or two years, I think it would be the perfect time you know, to strike why they aren't hot, why both guys are still on top and, and relatively young. Um, I'm just, my fear with this fight or this potential fight uh, is that, like you said, one guy slips up, somebody gets injured, somebody moves up, somebody moves down, somebody retires, you know, something, you know, one of those, those, uh, you know, those things happen that, that can spoil these fights. Um, but again, that's, you know, a couple of years away, so we won't waste too much more time talking about that one. Um, but I do want to ask you, Michael, before we move on to the other fights uh, that went down last night, um, where you rank uh, Errol Spence Jr. in terms of uh, top welterweights? Is he the, the number one guy on your list? Is he two, three? Where does he sit? Um, he'd, he'd be top two, uh, maybe maybe one ahead of, Ahead of Crawford until Crawford maybe has a couple more fights. Uh, yeah, it. I think those two would probably just keep switching first and second, first and second every time they fought. Um, <laughs> they just every time you see them, they do really well. They're always improving. Um, I think it's just one of those cases. You know, Crawford fights, he's what he's first. Errol Spence fights, he's my first. So, right. No, I, I'm with you on that. I I, I think it's gonna gonna be a back and forth type of thing just because of the excitement surrounding both guys and even a potential fight down the line between the two of the guys. Um, but I'm with you. It, you know, it, I think right now Spence is the more, uh, he's the proven welterweight, you know, whereas, whereas Bud Crawford just got there. And even though he won impressively against Jeff Horn, it was still Jeff Horn. You know, he wasn't, he's not a top, top guy. So, uh, you know, I need to see a little bit more from, from Terrence Crawford before I say he's, you know, definitely the number one welterweight in the world. Um, I de- I I would definitely put Crawford, you know, in, at number two or, or maybe three. But uh, with Thurman inactive, and it kind of makes it easier to stick Crawford right at number two. So, 
Um, with that said, uh, we'll just keep the show moving on. Um, I don't want any bloat today. Um, the uh, penultimate fight last night over on Showtime, Michael, was uh, for the uh, junior feather, WBA junior featherweight title, and that was uh, the titleist Danny Roman uh, facing off against Moises Flores, uh, naturally in a 12-rounder for a championship. Uh, now, in that fight, uh, the uh, titleist Danny Roman outclasses uh, a very game but very, very limited uh, Moises Flores and defends his title with a unanimous decision. Um, now, I want to ask you, Michael, before I chime in, um, where or what do you think of Danny Roman and what did you think of that performance last night? Uh, I actually know Danny. Uh, I've met him a few times at Thompson Boxing and been to see him train. I thought oh, his cool. performance was kind of was kind of wasn't pleasing to the eye unless you're maybe a really big boxing fan because obviously there was a lot of body work, which isn't always sure. the most uh, isn't the easiest on the eye for people who um who aren't into it as much as we are. Um, right. <laughs> I, I thought it was a real workmanlike performance, should we say? Um, obviously yeah. He was. He had it against him. Obviously, uh, Flores was taller. He was actually came in heavier because he missed weight. So I think mm-hmm. he just knew he just stuck, stuck to his game plan, which obviously worked over the 12 rounds, and just picked away, put money in the bank, and just kept playing, playing against uh, the bodywork the whole time. Um, so not the easiest on the eye, as I said, but it it worked. Yeah, no, I mean, well, you know, you, what do they what do they say? Uh, you know, win today, look good tomorrow type of thing. Um, I thought Roman's performance was was impressive. Uh, because I love the sport as much as I do, like you were saying. Um, and I'm a big fan of anybody that, that can crack to the body or that takes that chance. Um, I thought Danny's body work was, was really impressive and it was consistent. Like you said, a workman performance. Um, I really liked his patience and his accuracy as well as his persistence. Um, but I will say that I think Moises Flores is, uh, again, is, you know, very limited and was kind of made for someone like Roman, um, you know, because he doesn't have a have a, a great defensive tool set, uh, Roman could come in and, and just pound that body. Uh, but with that said, you know, I got to give Danny a lot of credit um, because there is a lot of risk in going to the body, especially over the you know consistently over 12 rounds. Um, and that even though Danny isn't a, really a puncher by any stretch of the imagination, Michael, uh, that body work really took you know, kind of took the wind out of Flores' sails. Uh, you know, and then the, the you know the last quarter of the fight. And some would argue even the last half of the fight, I thought Flores was just really pushing his punches and looking kind of flat. Um, but with that said, uh, I, I think Danny's a pretty decent fighter. Um, but I think that as he moves up um, or he steps up, in, you know, his quality of opposition, uh, and when he eventually moves up in weight, I think his style may come back to haunt him um, because he's pretty aggressive. Uh, but he doesn't have a lot of pop in, in either hand. Um, I'm wondering if that presents that might present some problems for him uh, when he faces somebody that's a you know that not like Golovkin, but that same type of fighter that's got skill and you know comp- combined skill and ag- you know an aggressive style. Um, I think that might be a problem for him. You know, maybe a boxer puncher somewhere down the line. Um, how good do you think Danny is, Michael? How high is his ceiling? I think he's good for this weight. I think you kind of hit on what his problem would be if he actually wanted to move up um, his lack of power. Um, sure. I think the featherweight division would probably be somewhere he'd maybe have to stay and just, you know, try and clear out that division. Uh, I think he, moving up, he'd, 
he wouldn't be able to stop anybody. Uh, obviously, he's not the tallest in that division, so moving up another division, he's going to be even smaller. Um, right. But he still has a few big fights in that division. He's got the Isaac Dogbo, your Ray Vargas, mm-hmm. your Jesse Magdaleno, um, Diego De La Hoya even, coming in another local yeah. fight, being an LA, an LA fight. So there is still still some big fights in that division for him if he stays around that way. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, those are all really good fights. Those are the fights I'd like to watch. Um, uh, where was I going to go with that? <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, <laughs> let me. I'm scanning my notes really quick. Yeah, I I didn't really have too much else to say about that fight. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add uh, to Danny's performance, or you wanted to say about Moises Flores? <laughs> Uh, not really. I think Moises Flores probably needs to move up, up, up away. I thought sure. he was really drained if he didn't make way. Yeah. Um, I think the fight I'd like to see, because I think he called out, was the Isaac Dogbo, Ray Vargas. Um, I think the Isaac Dogbo fight would be good, obviously. But I don't know yeah. whether him and Magdalena have, have, a, have a rematch written in, so I don't know whether that would put a stop to that one. The Ray Vargas fight would be in pretty much the similar fight to the one he just had. Ray Vargas is huge for that division. He's going to eventually have to move up, so... I don't know whether that would be another boring Ray Vargas fight. He just stands there and uses his job, so probably not going to be the best fight for him. I'd rather go over right. a different route if I was him. Mm, yeah, I guess we got to wait and see, like everything else in the sport. Um, now, with that said, uh, we'll just keep things rolling here. Um, in a really bizarre fight last night, Michael, um, it was actually the opening battle on Showtime. Uh, we had Javier Fortuna facing off against Adrian Granados uh, in a 10-round junior welterweight bout. Um, now, this one ended really bizarrely, I thought, uh, at the end of the fourth round, just before they could you know, make, send it to the judges for a decision. Uh, Javier Fortuna either was pushed or bumped or fell out of the ring, uh, and he fell backwards, hitting his back and his head, um, or it looked like he, they say he hit his head. Um, but he ended up being carried out uh, on a stretcher while wearing a net, neck brace. Uh, now I wanted to ask you, Michael, because we, we were watching the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, during Showtime's replays, I didn't, aside from, from when he hit the, you know, the bottom of his spine on the, on the corner of the ring there, uh, I, don't, I don't see where he, where he you know, injured his, his head or, or his neck or, you know, I don't know. Was, do, you, do you think the stretcher and the, the uh, neck brace was a precautionary measure? Because uh, I asked that because I, I spent about 30 minutes looking for information on his injuries this morning uh, before we came on the air or why I was prepping the show, and I couldn't find a damn thing. So I'm wondering what's going on there. Uh, what are your thoughts? I agree. I think it's probably a precautionary Um and watching the, all the different replays from all the different angles, I was the same. I could see he probably hit his back on the big black box or sure. whatever it was he landed on, but I didn't really see him hitting his head, which was uh, what he was complaining about. Um, right. But at the same time, he wasn't really losing the fight that badly that you would, you would have thought he would yeah. overreact. It was kind of very strange, so we'll just but have to wait and see whether, what, com- what comes back. Yeah, that, that's why I called it a, a bizarre turn of events because, uh, you know, in all those different angles of those different replays Showtime was running last night, uh, he aside from, like you said, aside from him slamming the bottom of his back onto the, the edge of the ring, which could definitely hurt, you know, he was complaining about his, his head or his neck, and and like, again, you said, there wasn't, I didn't think he was out of the fight or he was in danger of losing it or 
or being stopped or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't know what people are talking about when they say, you know, he, he look, maybe he had some reason to try to get out of there or he was looking for a way out. Um, I know fighters do that all the time, but I don't, I didn't, I just didn't see that. But I also didn't see, you know, maybe to the, to these other people's credits, I, I did, I don't see where or how he possibly could have gotten hurt by that. But again, you know, it's one of those things. We're not the guy that took the fall or took the hit and, the guy that you know had to be carried out on the stretcher, so who knows? I guess we just have to to let it play out and and see what comes about. Um, now, I, I wanted to ask you before we moved on to news and notes, Michael. Um, do you care if we get a rematch to the to Fortuna uh, Granados, or or is it just kind of like a meaningless bout to you? Uh, it started off actually okay. Um, mm-hmm. If I, I I would I would watch a rematch. Uh, just to see, you know, whether anything crazy happens again. Sure. They, they, were both just, they were both just going for it. They were both just flowing, uh, throwing blows. Um, it looked like it was going to be a good fight until obviously the uh, the freak accident. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that was one one uh, real quick thing to add before we move on. Um, when they the the start of the, every replay didn't matter what angle they showed. Uh, it they kept saying that he was pushed out. I didn't see any pushes. Uh, I didn't see Granados push Fortuna out. I, there was one spot where it looked like maybe Granados was moving forward or putting his weight forward, and and uh, their shoulders hit, and that that looked like it caused uh, Fortuna to fall through the ropes. But it was just it was just really weird, man. That was really strange. But yeah, I I wouldn't mind watching it again. It looked like it was gonna, you know, I don't think there would be any knockdowns or knockouts, but uh, you never know when guys are slinging leather like that at that rate, you know, for for the course of seven, eight, nine, ten rounds, you know, the war of attrition can take its toll on a fighter and, you know, send a man down. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd watch it just out of curiosity to see what happens again. But uh, outside of that, it's not – I didn't think it was too important or would be too important. Um, now, to move on to news and notes, Michael, um, the most pertinent uh, news that, that broke last week was that after all the ballyhooing and posturing by both sides, uh, the Canelo-Golovkin rematch was finally announced, uh, and it was reported uh, was also reported uh, by Steve Kim from UCN Live. Uh, I want to make sure to give him credit for that in a tweet that for about an hour before they agreed to Golden Boy's terms, uh, that Billy Joe Saunders had actually signed to fight Golovkin at the end of August. Um, what are your thoughts on the rematch, and would you have rather seen Golovkin fight Saunders, or, or does this rematch take precedent for you? I think the rematch kind of takes precedent. I think it needs to be done and dusted because I think people are getting sick of hearing about it. So just yeah. get it over and do, get it over and done with, and then have the Billy Joe on this fight afterwards because that'll kind of always be there. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of nice in a in a strange way that it came back to slap Billy Joe Saunders in the face because obviously he <laughs> faked that injury for right. the Martin Murray fight. So it was kind of karma that he came back around that, the, that they kind of used him as a bargaining tool. It seemed. Right. Yeah, that is kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 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 not I differ on this one with you. I'm one of those fans. I'm not going to bitch and complain about the fight um, because regardless of what's gone down before or what I think of what's gone down before with these two, um, you know, it's it's still two two of the best guys in the sport, you know, getting it on. Um, but that said, I differ with you and a lot of other uh, a lot of other boxing fans and even media yeah, I would have rather seen Golovkin fight Saunders. Uh, 
you know, or even even uh, Daria Vinchenko. And I knew that wasn't going to happen. But I want to see so I, the, the the talent and the potential that Golovkin has. Um, I want to see utilized to its fullest before he really kind of goes over that that age cliff or goes down that hill too fast. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not entirely certain what's going to happen in, in the rematch, Michael, but I, I lean towards Canelo winning a decision, legitimate or otherwise. Um, I think that Golovkin's, you know, we've talk, I've talked about it many times on the air and on Twitter um, and off the air with, with a lot of different people. I think Golovkin's definitely in decline, um, not severe decline, you know, but um, enough to where you, you notice he's not doing some of the things that he used to do, especially with the frequency he did them. Um, now, with that said, uh, if, if, he, if he beats Canelo in September, um, as long as it's not by devastating knockout, uh, I think they'll probably run it back a third time and, and fight next May as well. Um, and that would mean Golovkin's 37 at that point. Uh, and who knows what happens, whether he wins or loses that one. Um, but, I, you know, I think I speak for at least a small a small portion of the fans out there in, in saying that, you know, when, when, when the winner of, of the first fight was robbed or jobbed on the cards uh, and, you know, the corruption was, was right in our face, uh, you know, immediately after that fight, um, and then and then the loser pissed twice uh, or pissed hot twice for PED usage. Uh, it, for me, and I know a lot of other people, uh, it, it kind of takes the piss out of the rematch, Michael. Um, I thought Golovkin won eight to four. Uh, I, I guess you could make a case for seven to five, but it wasn't really, in my eyes, it wasn't a close fight. It was competitive, but there was a clear winner, and it wasn't Canelo. Um, so I don't understand the press or the media that's that's trying to sell this as, hey, number one and number two are fighting. That would be great it had the first fight actually been a legitimate draw or, you know, legitimately much closer than I saw it um, and, and had the loser in that fight, you know, or the real loser in that fight not, you know, been busted for, for PED, PED use. But, uh, you know, all that said, uh, you know, I'll be in the, th- I'll probably go to the theater again and watch the fight this September. Uh, and I think it's September 15th that the fight's going off. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, a lot of the steam has been taken off that one for me. And I think like you said, Michael, a lot of people are just kind of want it done and over with they're, they're tired of talking about it. Um, and I, and I hope for, because I'm a fan of both guys, uh, and I lost a lot of respect for Canelo, you know, in the aftermath of the first one. But, you know, I want to see both guys move on and, and fight other middleweights. I, I don't want to see these two guys tied up with each other, especially with Golovkin being at, you know, the near the nearing the end of his career, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anything else to, to add to that? No, I think you've pretty much covered it all, really. I think everyone's kind of. Thinking the same things, you know, whether it be the first match or the second or the rematch, we've been talking about this fight from around a year now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like it, this isn't, you know, the first fight was good, Michael, but it wasn't a, a you know, it wasn't a, a Castillo Corrales type of fight or a, you know, a Mickey Ward uh, Arturo Gotti type of fight. It wasn't something that needed to be run back. And the only re- reason this fight is happening or the rematch is happening is because neither guy can get as big a payday fighting anyone else as they can fighting each other. So 
that's something to keep in mind. You know, when when these people when when you get before you get too excited over it, um, it'll be. I think it'll be a good fight. I think it'll be a competitive fight, especially if Golovkin has declined a little bit more since their last meeting. Uh, you know, it'll make it even more competitive. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be better than I think it will be. But uh, I think it'll be at least decent. Um, now, with that said, uh, we'll move on to the final bit of news and notes here. Um, something that I wanted to bring up last week, um, but we couldn't get on the air, so we'll address it here. Um, the World Boxing Super Series 200-pound or cruiserweight final uh, between Alexander Usyk and Mirik Gasaev still has no definitive location or uh, definitive uh, fight date. Um, you know, what the hell is going on? I don't know what the hell is going on over, you know, with the you know at the World Boxing Super Series headquarters or with uh, Sourland Promotions or even uh, uh, I think it's Ringstar, uh, but if that if that fight is coming off this summer or going to happen this summer, one would think that they'd want as much time to promote it as possible um, because although you know guys like you and I and even Victor are super excited about that fight because it, the tournament's been great up to this point and those those are two really talented guys. You know, it, uh, it, everything seems like it's going to happen on short notice here. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Michael, or, or you been, has that been on your radar at all? Yeah, it's just uh, the, the, the World Boxing Super Series just started so well. We had some great fights. We had a lot of world champions and stuff like that stepping into both tournaments, be it the, uh, the cruiserweights and the middleweights and stuff like that. And then it's kind of just disappointing that when we get all the way to the finals, that the both finals are getting delayed. People are getting injured. They're doing it short notice. <laughs> Cause yeah. Just because the, the season started so well. And then I'm sure a lot of the boxing fans were really, really intrigued by it when it first started and it went really well. The great, great platform, the way they do the lights, all the shows, it's a real spectacle. So sure. it's kind of disappointing that the end to it all has just been delayed and, Looks like it's just going to be a rushed, a rushed finish. Right. Well, that, yeah. I mean, you kind of brought up something I had, I had forgotten about or failed to put into my notes. Uh, for, you know, to talk about today uh, was the fact that the tournaments, like you said, have been, you know, at least the cruiserweight tournament has run so smoothly up until this point, and you know, there were no injuries in the cruiserweight, you know, portion of the the World Boxing Super Series tournament, um, and we were getting number one versus number two. Uh, and I think I think the winner of this fight, uh, you know, arguably arguably de- deserves to be in, in pound for pound conversations um, because you know they've done a lot, and these two guys are both fantastic talents. Um, now, with that said, Michael, what, what what worries me more than these delays or things happening on short notice is some of the whispers uh, that are going around behind the scenes that say uh, Usyk won't fight in Moscow or that they're even going to try to hold the fight there, um, which I. I think would be, or I think is a really bad idea. And I think that's unfair given the nature of, uh, you know, how these tournaments have played out up to this point. Um, everything's been fairly neutral with judges and, and scoring and everything else. Um, and I know that uh, Usyk has, has said in the past, or was reported to have said that he wouldn't fight uh, in Russia. Um, and that, you know, if, if, if he were forced to, he would back back away from the tournament. Um, if that were to happen, Michael, I wanted to ask you, uh, would you just rather see it scrapped or, or would you rather see Gasev like fight a replacement fighter? I'd probably go as far as actually scrapping it because 
Yeah. It's not like Usyk's not come out and said that he doesn't want to fight there for, for those reasons. You know, he wants it on neutral ground. So for them to just sure. then go ahead and do it, it's kind of like a slap in the face to him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would rather see it scratched because, you know, we want to see the people who got to the final fight in the final, whether, you know, like, like the middleweight one where it has to be slightly delayed for George Groves coming back. It kind mm-hmm. of takes away what the tournament is if you just start changing people in and out Right. to people not wanting to fight in certain locations. Well, that was the big problem with uh, the Showtime Super 6 uh, way back in 2009. Um, that thing not only took two years to complete, uh, but it was delayed because, you know, certain guys didn't want to fight. There were injuries, you know, fights over, lo- you know, arguments or disputes over locations and, and judges and refs and everything. And the, to its credit, the World Boxing Super Series tournaments have, have kind of fixed the problems Showtime's had with their tournaments, but you know now it looks like that the one of those problems is rearing its rearing its ugly head again. Um, hopefully that gets worked out, and hopefully we get uh, an, an official announcement soon. Um, just so that our listeners know, uh, there has been uh, rumors that the fight will take place uh, uh, on July 21st, uh, but again, the those are just rumors, and the actual location of the fight is uh you know uh, really anyone's best guess right now um now with that said michael uh, was there anything else you wanted to add to the show today or should we just call it a day no i think that's it nothing from my side all right well we did we did a good half an hour or 35 minutes so uh michael and uh hopefully victor will will be back with me next week um and i'm not exactly sure what we're going to be talking about because there isn't a lot of action uh in the the beginning you know the beginning to mid middle part of summer every year uh, in the sport and i'm not too too hyped about the women's boxing that's going to be airing next week so we won't bother to preview that here today um but we'll figure something out and uh we will make sure we get on the air for everybody um now with that said uh, if you like what you heard today you can like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash split boxing you can follow me on Twitter at at SplitDBoxing or Michael uh, at at MShep10. Uh, you can visit the SplitDBoxing.com website. And if you are so inclined to do so, you can support the Split D Boxing Network on Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash SplitDBoxing. So uh, for my co-host, Michael Shepard, this is Scott Jarvis saying see you next week. Who's